Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. All right, friends, you ready to go? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Look at your other neighbor and say, let's go. All right, we're going to go today. I want to start today with a powerful quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. This past week, I took some time reading his very last sermon that he ever gave, and you may have heard this quote before, but it, it just says this. He says, I might not get to the promised land with you, but I've been to the mountaintop, and I've seen the promised land, and I want you to know that we as a people will get there. And so I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man because mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Mm. MLK, right? Like he, he's an all-time great leader and visionary. We know this. And in this particular sermon, it's obviously got quite a bit more to it. He is obviously speaking to the civil rights movement and the dream of a future without uh, bigotry and prejudice and oppression. He could see it, but he knew we weren't there yet. He was paralleling the civil rights movement with the exodus of God's people that we read in the scriptures. We know Moses led his people out of slavery. And during that journey to the promised land, there was quite a bit of challenge. It was difficult to survive. There were seasons, long seasons of wandering. There was also miraculous breakthrough. And there was hope that someday they would arrive in that promised land in which they did. So you can see why MLK aligned uh, this, this vision for what God wanted to do in this country and in our time with that story. But Dr. King paints this picture of standing on a mountain, doesn't he? Looking towards the future promise and hope that one day his four children would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. He could see that day coming. And a few days after he said this, he was assassinated, tragically. He said this, and he could see it, and other people didn't want to see it. 56 years later, King's dream for love among brothers and sisters of all color and ethnicity continues to reverberate, reverberate throughout the world and to challenge the realities that we face. And it calls really all of us to climb the mountain, right, and to be able to see the same things he was seeing for a better humanity. So today, I actually don't use this as a really springboard into a particular talk around the things that maybe he was sharing that day, but I do use this historical and current struggle for racial equality as a way to walk into this new series that we are beginning today, and the series is called All Are Welcome. All Are Welcome. Can you say that? Say All Are Welcome. And racial bigotry is perhaps the most obvious antithesis to that particular statement where we would actually say they are not welcome based upon what they look like. But I want you to know, this isn't just a series about injustice or bigotry because we know that there's plenty of that. But there's all sorts of things that have the ring, if you will, of that you are not welcome, you are not accepted, you are not wanted, you are not invited and you are not valued. Lots of things in this world have the ring of that, don't they? And today, I want 
to take us up to the mountaintop, so to speak, to imagine a life where all are welcome. Specifically, we are all welcome in God's kingdom. This statement, all are welcome, just to be clear, does not mean that everything we do is welcome in God's kingdom. There are certain things that we do that God wants us to drop at the door. But he does want everyone in here to know that this simply means you are welcome, you are invited, you are wanted, you are accepted, you are loved, you are valued. You are welcome into God's purposes and into his family without precepts to get clean first or to get right first. It's an invitation that says come as you are. Now, this may sound basic or very simple for a church to say, but these three words, all are welcome, are abnormal in our world, and they challenge many of the instincts and the behaviors that a lot of us have. You know, one of the worst feelings we can have is the opposite of this statement of all are welcome. When we feel left out or uninvited or unwelcome, how many of you have ever had the moment when you're doing the death scroll? You're doing the death scroll, and then there it is. All of your friends somewhere, and you're not there. You're scrolling, and then there it is. They all went out for delicious milkshakes and bowling, and they didn't invite you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, that death scroll becomes like this moment that you spiral, and you go, what's wrong with me? Why didn't they invite me? Am I not wanted? Am I not the person or the friend to them that they are to me? I wouldn't go out for delicious milkshakes and bowling without inviting them. How the heck in the world did they not invite me? Anybody ever feel unwanted? Anybody ever feel unwanted? Anybody ever feel uninvited? Anybody ever feel undervalued? We've all experienced the feeling of being left out. And none of us like that feeling. None of us like access denied. Now, this isn't a message about hurt feelings, although we'll start with it, and it helps open the door. But this is a conversation that we're going to go deeper, and we're going to explore the inviting and welcoming nature of Jesus and how he should revolutionize the way we feel, not only about ourselves, but the way we feel about the people around us. Romans 15, 7 says this, Therefore, welcome one another, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For the glory of God, welcome one another. Think about that. Another word for welcome is accept in this particular passage. Accept one another. This is a powerful encouragement, right? Accept one another. Welcome one another. Invite one another. The message version, which is at the bottom of that screen up there, you see it says it this way. Same verse, so reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it, now you do it. I love when the Bible is so simple. Jesus did it, now you do it. As if that's simple. You ever tried to do what Jesus did? It ain't easy. He's like revolutionary, like mountaintop type experience stuff, and so trying to be like Jesus, become like Jesus, not easy. Anybody with me? So I want to give you the big picture of what we're talking about in these three weeks. We got, this is probably a three-week series, a little mini-series is like I I like to call it. Week number one is today we are doing a message called Invited In. Invited In. You ever got an evite or an invitation in the mail? Today I I want to talk about the power of the invite. 
And I want everyone here to know that you have been invited in. You are invited into the family of God, not by me, but by God himself. Number two, week two, is called Share Jesus. Mm. We're going to talk about how the good news of Jesus has to go out to every person. We must share it through parties. Can I get an amen? Through proclamation and through preaching. Listen, it isn't just about us. Your life is not just about you. It is actually about all people. So we're not just invited in, but we are invited out. And then part three of this mini-series will be a special week that we're calling Fill the Empty. Fill the Empty. And this message is about why God welcomes us. He welcomes us because he wants to fill those who feel empty. We've, we, we've represented this idea by a chair because even in this room, we have empty chairs that could represent people who need to be filled with God. Many are here today because you were invited by someone, maybe to church. Maybe you have a relationship with God because someone invited you into some form of considering God in your life. Maybe it was a conversation or maybe it was to show up to a, to a group or whatever it is. And as a result of that invite, your life has been changed. And some of you are like, listen, my parents started bringing me when I was a little kid. I didn't have any choice. I wasn't invited. And I would say, no, you probably, you might not have been invited originally, but at somewhere along your journey as a teenager, as a, as a, maybe as a child or as an adult, you felt invited to receive Christ or to step into uh, your faith in your own way and in your own, uh, uh, your, your own posture of saying, you know, this is my life and I'm choosing to follow him. Or maybe a pastor led you in what often is called the invitation at the end of a service in which you decided to follow Jesus. So my point is, is that we've all been invited to some way. So, if, so I want to make another invitation, if I may. I want to invite you to consider doing something with me. I want to make an invitation to you. Look at your neighbor and say, you're invited. I want to invite you into a practical challenge today. It's a vision that we could all do together. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're invited too. This practical challenge, I know you didn't think you were, but you were. They invited you second, but that doesn't mean anything. The practical challenge and vision is this. It's called fill the empty. Fill the empty. That's the title, of course, of week three. We are asking you to prayerfully, and then this is like old school church right here. We are asking you to prayerfully consider inviting someone to join you for church on March 10th, two weeks from today. You're like, Tim, that's fast. No, it's not. It's not. It's not fast. There are no tricks or bait and switches that day. There's no, uh, there's no giveaways or car shows so that you can entice them with. It's just a good old-fashioned, uh, I care about inviting my friend. Genuine. And here's the thing. If you really enjoy coming to church, it would be cool if you invited someone. But if you don't enjoy coming to church and you're here, you're off the hook. You don't have to invite anybody. We're still working on you, man. We'll grow on you. If you don't like it, it's okay. The message that day is called Fill the Empty. And the title has a double meaning. The first layer is, is the obvious. What I said, that Jesus has come to fill us with life abundantly. That the Holy Spirit has come to fill us with his presence and his power. And that will be the message. But the double meaning is this, is, is the second is very practical. On that Sunday, March 10th, we want to fill as many empty chairs as possible. When I was in my young 20s, I was in a small group. And part of my small group, every time we gathered, was to pray for the empty chair. 
that was the vision that we used. The empty chair was a vision that our group kind of held together in which there would be a, a chair that would represent someone who was not yet there. That it was someone that we'd say, you know what, this person needs Jesus or they need help or they need community or, or they're hurting or whatever. We want to pray for this person. So we get a person by name and say, hey, that's our empty chair for this month or for this week or whatever. And we pray for them. And sometimes we literally have a physical chair represent that person that we're praying for, hoping and praying that someone would fill that chair someday. And you know what? We had experiences and times in which the person that we were praying for, the empty chair we were praying for, ended up sitting in that chair. That vision has always compelled me. And today I wanted to compel you. I did the math. This room looks full on most Sundays, but in reality, there are about 160 empty chairs in this room. 160 seats. And I know if it was full in this room and every chair was filled, it would be uncomfortable. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of comfortable church experiences. I want to get a little uncomfortable. <laughs> So I'm inviting you into a vision that's actually a practical challenge, right? So one more time, look at your neighbor and say, you're invited to fill the empty. So start praying, who can you invite? And don't overthink it. And don't overpressurize it for you. If they say no, it's okay, you did your part. And don't overpressurize it for them, of course. Just a simple invite of love and kindness, right? March 10th, let's fill the empty chairs. And listen, I know we can invite to any day, but sometimes we just need a goal. Sometimes we need a target. And so that's what we're doing. So again, back to this thought. You were invited in, I'm sure. Or maybe, maybe the question is, were you invited in? Chances are you were either invited to church, a Bible study to Alpha, or to some type of group. And that sparked your interest or your journey with God. Or if you were in church from a young age, like I said, you were invited to accept Jesus or uh, you were invited to serve or you were invited into community. And that's been foundational for your faith. So I'm just, just really curious, how many of you would say that there was an important invitation in your life of some type? Meaning you were, you were invited to church, you were invited to a group, you were invited out to coffee, you were invited to dinner or over to someone's house. Uh, was there an important invitation in your life that was extended to you? That when you think about it right now, you're like, man, I was grateful for that invitation that was made to me. Raise your hand if you have one of those. Come on, raise your hand if you have an invite that mattered to you. That's good. For the glory of God, we welcome one another. All the hands that went up. Faith with God and specifically following Jesus at its core is an invitation. It's looking at other people and saying they're welcome in my life. There's nothing that's going to keep them from being welcome in my life. In Matthew 4, Jesus made his first invitation to a couple brothers who were ordinary guys working in a regular job, and he invited them into something extraordinary. Matthew 4, verse 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen, and he said, come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. That statement, come follow me, I want you to think on these words. This is the invitation of Jesus. Do you understand that? It is the invitation of Jesus. No matter 
who you are, where you're from, what your background is, what your church experience is, what you think about me, what you think about other pastors, what you think about TV evangelists, what you think about that hypocrite, no matter what you think or where you're from or who you are or what color your skin is or how much money you have in your bank account, it doesn't matter. The invitation is to all people. All are welcome. Come follow me. (laughs) It's an invitation to a way of life. It's an invitation to receive God's grace through the person of Jesus. Come follow me. Get this. It wasn't even a command. It was an invite. It was an invite. And so to these two brothers, Peter and Andrew, the invitation was bigger than just leave your career as fishermen and become pastors. That wasn't what was going on here. If it would be, that'd be tough because who wants to leave anything to become a pastor? It's great. I promise. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> Where was I? That's, that's not what's going on here. It's not, a, it's not a career decision. They were being invited into something they had been previously uninvited to. What I mean by that is Peter and Andrew had already been told to leave spiritual training school. They were told that they had no business in the God business. <laughs> You see, every Jewish boy when they were a kid would enter into school as a child, and over the years they would be tested and trained to see if they had what it took to become a spiritual leader. If they passed the test, they would continue in their training. If they didn't pass the test, they were asked to leave. They were asked to go away. They were no longer welcome to receive training, to become a disciple of a rabbi. Instead, go ply your trade with your father. And so they had done that. They had been uninvited. They had been asked to leave, and now they had become fishermen. They weren't invited to go and learn under a rabbi. So when Jesus comes along, and he's this new, innovative, and powerful rabbi that is making all the headlines, he comes and invites them into the very thing they had been uninvited to. He says, come follow me. Jesus was undoing the uninvited closed door in the face. You aren't qualified or welcome to the deep things of God You aren't welcome to know God at that level. You are not cast aside. You are not seen as unable or unworthy to do what I've called you to do. He says, says, come follow me. So maybe this helps you understand even a little bit more why Peter and Andrew were so eager to drop their nets and follow him. They had been invited in. In some ways, all of us are trying to be in on something. We either want to be in the in crowd or the inner circle, or the inside track. We want the insider knowledge, or we want to be on the inside joke. Anyone? I'll tell you about it later. You remember that joke, right? (laughs) We want to be A and B in the conversation, because C, they're on their way out. Mm. We don't want to be out. Outsiders, outliers, outcasts, out of bounds, down and out. No thanks. But catch this, put it on screen. Put it on screen. Nope, nope, nope. There we go. Those who are, in, are out are who Jesus invites in. Those who are out are who Jesus invites in. Remember, all are welcome. That's the promised land. That's the mountaintop. That's the cry for justice. Jesus says, I've come so that all may come to know and believe in God. This invitation by Jesus to come follow me, 
it sets off a chain reaction. And before you think, oh, man, I've got this. I've already accepted Jesus' invitation. Just keep listening and stay with me. This message is for everyone in the room. Every one of us. All are welcome. When Jesus said, come follow me, he sets off a chain reaction. And by inviting people who never felt like they were in, they always felt like they were out. He's like, no, you're in. He says, I didn't come for the healthy, but I came for the sick. I came for those who need help. How many know that we all need help? In fact, if you need help, just raise your hand right now. For those of you not raising your hand, I'm diagnosing you right now. You need help. You need help. We all need God's help. In the scriptures, Jesus was always inviting people, come follow me, you're in. Think about blind Bartimaeus. We know that story. An outcast of society who believed, and the the society believed that he or his parents had sinned so greatly, that's why he was blind. Well, Jesus invites him to come, and he says, tell me your dream, tell me your hope. And then Jesus gave him what he wanted. He said, Bartimaeus, you're in. Think about that hemorrhaging woman. She had been bleeding for 12 years. She had been deemed unclean. He says, daughter, take heart. Your faith has healed you. You're in. Think about the ten lepers. They are definitely outcasts of society. They have to wear bells around their neck so people can hear them coming. They have to shout, leper, leper, so people won't come near to them. Jesus is like, you know what? I see you, I hear you, and I'm going to heal you. You're in. Think about the woman with the alabaster jar. She comes and busts into a house. Nobody wanted her there. Jesus is having dinner with a bunch of Pharisees. She comes in anyway. Nobody wants her there, and he honors her, and he sees her when everyone else wants to reject her. He says, you're in. You're in. What about Matthew, the tax collector, Zacchaeus, the tax collector? These guys were the bottom of the barrel. They were money-hungry extortionists that nobody wanted in their life. And Jesus says, you know what? Not only are you in, you're in my inner circle. You know what? What about the, sin, or what about the woman at the well? The woman at the well. This is a woman that everyone had rejected. Everyone. No one wanted part with her, and he set a divine appointment with her at that well, and he invited her to drink living water, water that would change her life. And whenever she drank it, it changed her life. And then he said, you know what, I'm not done. I'm going to invite you to be an ambassador for me. I want you to go back to your city, tell your story. And it says that many came to believe because of her testimony. The disciples came back and they were like, what in the world? Why are you inviting this Samaritan woman? It shook them. They were shook. By the welcoming nature of Jesus, he's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Race, gender, religion, all are welcome in my kingdom. This is what Jesus is all about. He's like, I'm revolutionizing the way you see people. I'm revolutionizing the way you see my kingdom. This message is for everyone. The stories go on and on. Jesus invites people in. And here's what I know, though. Regardless of me saying that you were invited in, here's what some of us, some of us, though, some of us thus. Go to the next one. Some of us don't feel invited or welcome. Some of us don't feel invited or welcome. We feel like an outsider or we feel excluded or we feel uninvited. And this could be a feeling that lays over your entire life in everything you do and every relationship with you have that you have. The unwanted feeling over your life has become part of your identity. I know that's true for some of us. And as a result, it's even significantly shaped the way you relate to God. And I just rattled off example after example of Jesus going after those who feel unwanted. But some of those outsiders, they were outsiders by their own doing. I mean, think about the tax collectors. That's an easy example. By their own choice, they had chosen to be rejected by society. Instead, choosing money instead of people. 
And here's the thing. Sometimes our choices pile up a bunch of receipts on ourselves. We have all sorts of receipts that we owe to people. And sometimes those receipts we owe to ourselves. And we're piling up shame and guilt over the things we've done, uninviting our own selves into the party. Some of us have excluded ourselves. But the examples in Scripture that we see most often for those who felt unwelcome, it was because of some form of disadvantage they had in life. Some by sickness, some by disability, some by race or gender or religion. And the world, the enemy, I want you to catch this. The enemy wants your disadvantage to disable you. The enemy wants whatever your disadvantage, if you think, you know what, I, I, I have a disadvantage in life, whatever it may be. The enemy wants to use that to disable you while the Lord wants to use it to empower you. People tend to set a low ceiling for their future based upon their disadvantages. Jesus is proof that ceilings are meant to be broken. Those of you who were out are now in. The life that was out, once you come follow him, is now gone because now you're in. (laughs) Are you following me? You're in the inner circle. You're in with Jesus. Listen, if you resonate with the feeling of being an outsider or excluded or unwanted, God came for you. And perhaps this most famous invitation, Matthew 11, Jesus said this, come to me once again. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, come to me, all who feel unwelcome and unwanted. So some of us, we don't feel invited and we don't feel welcome. But secondly, some of us don't accept the invitation. Some of us don't accept the invitation. Jesus says, come follow me. And you say, well, first, first I got to. Remember that one? First I got to do this thing. First I got to get my job done. First I got to make this money. First, I'll get to you, God, but first I got to. We think, I appreciate the invitation to this whole life to the full, but my life is kind of full right now, God. Often it's not a full-on rejection, but it's an excuse for being unable to accept the invitation as offered. Think of it like this. Have you ever been invited to a wedding and you're like, man, I know this is a big deal to them. It's like the biggest day in their life. But on Saturday, I kind of need to get groceries. (laughs) Come on. I've never done this, but I know you have. (laughs) I've definitely never done it to any of you that have invited me to your wedding. Your wedding was the most important day in my life. <laughs> we do this. We think of all the reasons we can't go. You're like, man, I got to clean my closet that day. You've been saying that for six years. You're like, oh, no, no, no. I mean, I, I don't have anything to wear. Who cares? No one cares about what you're wearing to that wedding that's not your wedding. So we start to bargain. We're like, I'm going to bargain. Okay, I'm not going to go, but I'm going to send him a gift. Like a, a kind of neck. I'm going to spend an extra 20. It's going to be a nice gift. That'll do the trick. Check off the hook. 
So in our minds, we don't fully reject the invitation. We just renegotiate it. Uh-oh. Stay with me. Have you ever renegotiated with God? <laughs> am, okay. I was going to say, am I talking to anyone? But you don't even know if I'm talking to you yet. God invites you into a calling that will require courage to love your neighbor, to serve the poor, to quit your job, to start that job, to get a job, to change how you treat your spouse, to give your tithe, to call out that friend or to call up that friend or to forgive that person. God invites you deeper and you're like, ah, uh, yeah, that sounds good, but it's kind of bad timing right now. See, God, I'm in a crazy season. Once I get past this season, I got you. Can we just renegotiate this call that you're putting on my life? Because this is not a good time, and I'm really busy. Another example, by the way, those are excuses, right? Another, another example, we'll just use the church. I mean, I mean, have you ever used the excuse of things going on at the church like bad timing or being too busy? Instead of stepping into the prayer room, right, things you could do, come to the prayer room. Too busy. Come to First Wednesday. Got plans. How about guys' night? Nah. How about girls' night? Can't. How about spiritual retreat? That's too much time. How about prayer nights? Not my thing. How about singles' night? I got a date. You wish. <laughs> we know you're lying. Marriage night. Got the kids. Whatever, right? You got kids because you're married. You need to come to marriage night. The list goes on and on. Nope, can't make it, but I'll send a gift. God knows. This is what we say. God, you know that I've renegotiated this thing. I'm in a season. All I can give you right now is 1030 on Sundays sometimes. I'll do my best with that. After that, I'm just too busy, and this is not a good time. I need to step back, not step in. God never invited you to step back. He only invited you to keep stepping. Come follow me. That is a journey of stepping. Are you all with me now? Oh, I was talking to you. Got it. This is not a call out. This is a call up. To the value of God's invitation in your life. Because here's the thing that's, that's, it's real. It's real. You have to consider what is God inviting me to and have I devalued it? Have I treated it like I can just, I can renegotiate it? Jesus actually talked about this very thing in a parable in Luke 14. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Everyone say invited. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come now for everything is ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Mm -mm. Oh, no, right? The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on way, my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married. So I can't come. I get that. You're busy when you get married. We, we know what they're doing. The servant, what's wrong with you guys? The servant came back 
The servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, and the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. So this parable, God has invited us to a great banquet. And he is going to fill his house. He is going to do it. It's going to happen. He's going to do, do whatever it takes to make sure his house is full. And these excuses that are given, by the way, one said I can't come because I just bought land. In other words, I have too much responsibility. I'm busy right now. Another said I just bought some oxen, which means <clears throat> I have too much to work to do. This is bad timing. i got to get the work done right now. And another said, I just got married, which means I'm valuing human relationships over your relationship right now, God. You're on the back burner. The excuse givers, we got to know who they are. First, the, they're the first people that, that, that the master invited. They were the master's friends. So you got to understand, in the scripture, when Jesus is speaking to first century Israel, the excuse givers were the, were the Jews. These were the, the first people, God's people. They were invited to the banquet. And they started giving excuses of why they couldn't come. They started renegotiating. So this is the churchgoers. And he said, fine. If you're going to make excuses, I'll just start inviting everybody else that I can find. Because all are welcome anyway. So this is when the Gentiles, like the Gentiles are now welcome. The outsiders are welcome. Go and compel them to come in. Everyone say compel. God is compelling us. To come in to his kingdom, but he also wants to compel you to bring others in, to fill his house. And I know some of us don't feel invited or welcome. Others don't feel like they've ever accepted the invitation. We have excuses. And lastly, some of us don't feel ready for the invitation. Listen, all of us feel this one. God invites us to play in the game and we're not ready to get out on the field. We're like, I haven't practiced enough. I'm not prepared enough. I feel like an imposter or unqualified, or hypocritical. In my Alpha group this last Monday, we were discussing reading the Bible, and many in the group admitted that, you know, reading the Bible is a struggle. Like, it's not something they've done all that much. It's hard to read, or it's confusing, because they've never fully understood some things. And it can be intimidating. And I think when we approach spiritual things, we, we often just, you know, rule ourselves out as a, an imposter or an unqualified person. And, you know, I told them that every Sunday when I get up here, um, and my job is to teach the Bible <clears throat> that I feel completely unqualified. Uh, that I can deal with my own imposter syndrome. Like I don't belong. Like my life doesn't measure up to the standard. That I'm barely sliding by. And, and I feel like I live, as the saying goes, I got to fake it till I make it. But what if we never make it? Listen, I, I know I have to realize this about my life, and you have to realize it about your life. One, you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to have all the answers. You're never going to know everything about God or the Bible. But I know for me, I can love the Bible, and I can share what I am learning about the Bible as I go. That's the best I got. And, it's a, and as the cliche goes, right, God doesn't 
call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls. And the same is true for you. Listen, accepting his invitation to salvation or to be bold or to become a leader has little to do with our readiness. His invitation is not offered upon our readiness. He doesn't go, oh, okay, yeah, you look ready. I'm ready to give you an invitation now. It has nothing to do with our readiness. The disciples in the scriptures are proof of that, if you ever need proof. His invitation to go deeper with him or to follow him is an invitation to trust him when you aren't ready. When you don't feel ready, that's when you follow him. He says, trust in the Lord, right, with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own readiness, your own qualifications. Can I just say something? If you are genuine in your hope, you are not an imposter. Can I just say something else? If you are open to learning, you are not unqualified. Can I just say another one? If you admit that you are not perfect, you are not hypocritical. And if you are breathing, God is inviting you in. Meaning if you're not dead, God's not done with you yet. 2 Peter 3.9 says it this way. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Anybody thankful for that? He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now in this verse... If you don't know what's going on here, just like, oh, God's patient and he wants everybody. Peter is talking about the promised land. We're like, oh, hold on. Is he going back to Exodus? No, the new promised land. Jesus' return. He's going to come and restore and redeem all that is broken. That's the future promise. Jesus is coming again. We call it the second coming of Christ. He's like, I know you guys are wondering, like, when is he going to come? Why hasn't he come yet? What's going on? I thought Jesus said he was coming back. Why isn't he here? He's addressing the people that are saying that. And Peter says, I know that you're like, why isn't Jesus come Yet, he's saying, because God is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, no one to miss out on his invitation. But instead, for everyone to come to repentance, for everyone to acknowledge that they, that they need God in their life. Listen, Jesus is waiting on anyone who would say yes to his invite. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Say that with me. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. One more time. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All are welcome. But he did invite you. If you don't walk through the door, if you don't accept the invitation to come follow me, to become his disciple means that you have committed to become a learner. That's what the word disciple means, that I'm going to learn the ways of Jesus. This isn't, do you believe that God exists? This isn't, do you want to be a good person or do you want to be religious? It has nothing to do with some of those things. You can actually believe in God and try and be a good person and have never accepted his invitation to follow him. It's an invitation to say that says, I want to follow him. If you are already a believer in this room, which I know many of you are, God is still inviting you in. He's inviting you deeper. He's inviting you to be a part of his banquet, to serve in his banquet. And I will say, I believe God does grow weary of his children 
giving him excuses and renegotiating their position on what it means to come and follow him. He wants to compel you, believers. He wants you to feel compelled by his invitation. And if you are here and you've never given your life to Jesus, God is inviting you in. To those who felt out, he says, no, 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 you're in. The scriptures give another powerful picture in the, in the book of Revelation. It says that Jesus comes and knocks. He knocks on the door of our heart. And he says, if you'll let me in, I will come and I will feast with you. So Jesus does the hard work of showing up and doing the knocking. And he's inviting you in, but it's interesting. He's the one coming and knocking too. So he's also saying, will you let me in? God says, you've been keeping me out, but I'm asking you to let me in. So I do want to ask you, how is God inviting you today? This message is for everyone in the room. Because he's always inviting us to more. All are welcome in his kingdom. No matter who you are or where you're from. Or even what you thought before you walked in this room. God is not disappointed when he thinks about you. You know what he thinks about? About how much he loves you. About how precious you are to him. And now he longs for nothing more to be in a true, genuine friendship with you where he can lead you all the days of your life and behind you as you follow him, his goodness and mercy will follow you every step of the way. How is God inviting you in today? This message is for every one of us. Would you bow your heads? I'm gonna pray. Come Holy Spirit, move during these next few moments. And I will just say this, if you want to receive the invitation of Jesus to come follow me, if Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart and you feel like it's time to let him in, there's a prayer that you can say, and that's not a magic prayer or a prayer even from the Bible. It's just a posture to say, I want to surrender to God. In fact, when I was a teenager, uh, in a moment similar to this, a pastor did an invitation inviting anyone who wanted to receive Christ to do that. And, and that's how I did it. I, I prayed a prayer at the end of a church service. And I, and I thought I would offer that invitation today to anybody who wants to give your life to Jesus today. If you want to do that, just pray this prayer with me. Whisper it. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just whisper that prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. Just say that again. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. To say, I ask for forgiveness of my sin. Just pray that to him. Now say, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my life to you. Let's thank him. Say, thank you for inviting me into your family. And into your kingdom. Here's the commitment piece. Just say this, pray this. I will follow you all the days of my life. I will follow you all the days of my life. If you just prayed that prayer, everybody's heads bowed. One more courageous thing today. 
I just want to pray for you. If you just prayed that prayer, do you mind just lifting your hand up real quick? No one's looking around. Just lift it up. I see you. Thank you. Bold. I love it. There's hands all over the place right now. Lift your hand up. He says, come follow me. Lift your hand up. Guys, there's 20 hands raised today. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you. I pray for each and every person that's raised their hand today. May this be their moment, the invite that changed their life, that they hold on to this gift that you've given them and that they will follow you all the days of their life in the name of Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Would you just celebrate God today? Come on. He's so good. Would you stand with us? Stand with us. We're going to worship and this altar is open. I, I really would encourage you, don't leave. Don't leave. Just stay in this room. Stay in this next few minutes. We're going to continue to respond. This altar is open for everyone in the room. This is a place of thanksgiving and praise. This is a place that we get to come and we get to lift up thanks to God. And our prayer team will be here and you can come and pray with them. And I want to add one prayer thing that I did feel this week. Just a word of knowledge. If, if today or in recent time, weeks, you've been feeling pain in your back, I feel like today is a day in which God has invited you to come and receive healing. Pain in your lower back specifically. Um, pain that's just been with you for quite some time. Uh, very uncomfortable. Come and our prayer team and just say, hey, I'm the back person. And they're going to pray over you. And we're going to believe and God for healing today, that faith will rise up in you today. And so this altar is for you, and this altar and this song and this time of response is for us to say back to God how grateful we are for him and how we are so thankful for the invitation that he's given us into a life with him. Amen? Amen. Let's sing. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.